1: I don't know. I'll Pick a random number. How about eight? You know why. 800-636-1067. That's 800-636-1067. You'll want two tickets to the Washington Capitals game versus the Jets on Friday, December 23rd at 7 p.m. at Capital One Arena, Washington, D.C. Courtesy of the Washington Capitals. See the Capitals live this season with your family and friends. To purchase group tickets, visit washcaps.com slash groups. I wish you good luck. Call or rate, 800-636-1067. You can win those tickets. Speaking of the Capitals, let's start the Beltway Blitz by talking about the Capitals. Our buddy Ben Raby joins us to talk about those very Washington Capitals. Ben, I think I saw Tom Wilson in a it's okay to hit me jersey. Is this a big deal? Is he coming back? What's going on? Big deal, Danny. He's ramping up. This is the next step
2: on the checklist, you can say, as far as what Tom Wilson needs to do before, at long last, making that season debut. Rejoined the team a few weeks ago as far as practice, but to your point, was wearing the non-contact jersey. Be aware when I'm on the ice. Be careful, fellas. But he shed that jersey yesterday. Back in a regular jersey, Practice. no restrictions, looked good, was actually on a line yesterday with Backstrom and Ovechkin, Danny. So that's pretty,
1: Whoa.
2: that's pretty, uh, pretty revealing right there. It was good to see the three of them getting some reps together still, you know, don't, don't get too excited. you know, still a ways to go, but look, in all seriousness, this is the next step. And, uh, you know, he continues to progress and could potentially be back if not before the new year, So you know, hopefully early mid January, but, uh, no, this is, this is down to, uh, this is down to, to a couple of weeks now.
1: Benjamin, they've won 10 of 14, and a nice little streak kind of in the middle of that here towards the end. I actually thought they played well against Dallas, just bad breaks, and Mm -hmm. I thought the goalie was outstanding for Dallas. But what's really been the key to this turnaround? What's been different for them?
2: A few things. I think, number one, it shouldn't be overlooked. They've received terrific goaltending the past few weeks from Charlie Lindgren. We do anticipate Darcy Kemper Getting the start tonight, this would be his first start since December 3rd when he left that game against Calgary with an upper body injury. But Charlie Lindgren, you know, a, a career backup, the real understudy in these parts. It's Darcy Kemper's team here as far as the goaltending tandem is concerned. But Lindgren, eight games in a row, eight starts in a row, a 7-1 and one record, and he was really good. A case could be made, Danny, I don't think this is an exaggeration. He, he may have contributed to saving the capital season. When you consider where they were, when Darcy Kemper went down with his injury in early December to where they are now, tied for the second wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. So Lindgren's play really should not be overlooked, how steady he's been in goal these past few weeks. The other thing is the defensive effort in front of him. The Capitals collectively defensively, uh, dating back a month ago, November 22nd, the fourth-best defensive team in the league. And on top of that, you're getting secondary contributions offensively. You look at the past few games, Eric Gustafson all of a sudden, thinking he's Alex Ovechkin, four goals in the last two games. Nick Dowd scoring twice the other night. Garnet Hathaway had a big goal Saturday against Toronto, getting contributions up and down the depth chart. So long-winded way of saying they're getting a lot of contributions these past few weeks, but they've been really, really steady, really good defensively. The type of play that usually translates well in the second half of the season and comes springtime.
1: Benjamin, I'm betting you'll have data to support this, or tell me that I'm full of it, which you're more than welcome to do. I can't prove it. But it feels like their power play is dangerous right now, to me. I think there was a time I wouldn't have said that this year; that it looked a little yeah. disjointed, like they hadn't met each other. But right now, it looks like there's a lot of options, and it's just you know a matter of time before they have a bunch of these you know breakout type games. Do you feel that way? And do you have any data to support that?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's cyclical, and uh, you know they they had a really good stretch earlier this month, Danny, where, where here's the data you're looking for. They had a power play goal in seven straight games. First time they had done that since 2010, since 2010. So, yeah, that would suggest it's going well. That said, I, I do think a big reason for that was you look at that seven-game stretch, T.J. Oshie was a part of that seven-game run. Mm-hmm. And even go a little further back, they had scored a power play goal in 10 of 11. And Oshie was a part of that. Oshie's not in the lineup right now. He's out with an upper body injury. He didn't make the trip. He's not going to be back until next week at the earliest. And I, I think as good as the power play was going, when I say it's cyclical, part of the reason why at times the power play has struggled is because Oshie hasn't been there. And as much as we think of Ovechkin in his office from the left face-off circle, T.J. Oshie in the slot in that bumper spot, he's a real, real key piece to that power play. And it's a, it's a much different-looking unit, and the success rate tends to be much different uh, when he's in there as opposed to when he's
1: not. Yeah, I think there was a, a one the other day, Ben, where I think they had like seven or eight shots during the power play. Didn't score, but mm-hmm. you just go, that's what we're looking for, those kind of opportunities, yeah. if memory serves. Um, I, again, this is kind of a vague question. It's not a good one, but you're a pro. You'll make it sound okay. I feel like Dmitry orlov has been skating his ass off lately. Like, I, I always knew that he could move and stick handle and do a lot of things. I feel like lately he has been just really dynamic, and I'm wondering, A, if you've seen the same thing, but just kind of be what you attribute that to?
2: Yeah, he's, he's always been able to scoot and, and brings a physical edge as well on the back end, but he, he's long had the offensive upside coming through with the overtime goal the other night, being the latest example. Uh, I think he even has another gear, Danny, that maybe we'll see here in the coming weeks. What I mean by that is he recently missed significant time, he was out for 16 games with an undisclosed injury. He just came back uh, just over the past week plus, And, you know, I think still maybe even a case could be made working his way back into game shape, making up for some lost time. So as good as he's looked lately, uh, there could even still be another gear in, in Dmitry Orlov's game. But certainly that offensive upside has, uh, has long been there. And a guy who, you know, when you think of the longest tenured players of this team and the core of this team, True. We often talk, naturally, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Carlson, Kuznetsov, Wilson, O.J. You can go down the list. Orlov is a guy who, as long as he's been here, you know, sort of goes about it quietly. And uh, I think someone who, uh, again, folks shouldn't uh, shouldn't take for granted
1: all the contributions he's made. Ben, you're the best, buddy. Have a great holiday, man. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you. You're the same, Danny. See Thank you, brother. you. There he goes. Hit that. Oh, i got to put him on hold. There he went. Uh, hit that wizard sounder for me, please. Our pal Ava Wallace, Washington Post, joins us. Did that work, Darius? I hit the click button. And there it is. That's <laughs> not my first time, Ava. Uh, thanks for joining us. First of all, uh, the Wizards won the other night. That's neat, but it still doesn't feel like things are going great at this point. Ava, kind of give me a state of the union here, heading into Christmas.
3: Yeah, it's, I think you kind of hit it on the head. They they got the uh, the monkey off their back a little bit, snapped the ten game losing streak. Um, but you know, Kyle Kuzma kind of said it. Wes Until Jr. hinted at it. Uh, that was a building block win. That wasn't a we've solved everything. Yay. Hooray. Everybody can pack and go home for Christmas. Uh, they still have a lot of the same kind of issues that they're dealing with in that Phoenix game. They lost a 17 point lead before they did that comeback. So they're still kind of having some of the same mistakes haranguing them, but it was good and it, it did feel like a page turner for sure, especially now that they're getting some guys back.
1: Yeah, Utah tonight, they started off like gangbusters and have come back down to earth a little bit. Still a playoff team if they started today, which, of course, they don't. Sacramento, been one of the darlings of the league. They're fun. 76ers, then the Suns again. I, I guess my point is it, it's not going to get a ton easier. You get one game against the Magic, who they're a game better than, but then it's a Bucks a couple times and, you know, the surprising Pelicans. There's no easy night anymore, especially in the Eastern Conference. I mean, there are a couple teams that are bad. I guess my point is, like, it, I guess my point is, This is not that easy just to sort of magically start turning it around. But the other side of it is, it's not like they're getting blown up by 30 points every night, Ava. I guess, how do we quantify it here? Do do they feel like they're close? Or is there kind of an acknowledgement that, yeah, maybe this is too far uphill?
3: Yeah, they, they do feel like they're close. And, and that's kind of been the message from West Southern Soul Jr. Mm-hmm. And, and his coaching staff is there is a lot of season, you know, almost 50 games left in the season. So I don't think anyone is expecting a major turnaround, but I don't think it would be crazy to, to expect these guys to kind of get back to their 500 level which is really where, you know, when you have Chris Epps, when you have Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma for, you know, if he has, even if he has a little bit one foot out the door, um, that's talent worthy of at least a 500 team. So you got to think it evens out a little bit more. They do need guys to stay healthy. Rui Hachimura coming back tonight. DeLon Wright, they're hoping to get back soon. Um, so guys are starting to filter back, and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shifts things, especially when De- DeLon Wright comes back to help them on defense.
1: So I know the trade deadline's still, you know, five, six weeks away, but... Oh, it's trade season. Always trade season. But that's kind (laughs) of my point, Ava. What might they do here? I know they've shown a reluctance. Reluctance isn't the right word. A refusal to do like a reboot, start over again, you know, Mm -hmm. hit detonate. And I understand that you're paying a lot of money to Bradley Beal for a long time. But, uh, you know, that means if if you're not going to do that, then are you going to add? I mean, what moves might they make? What might be on their radar?
3: Yeah, I think you have to kind of look at at Kyle Kuzma, who told me the other week, and he's told plenty of other outlets that saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, it would be silly to try to negotiate an extension with this team financially. I'm going to probably decline my player option this summer. So I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't be prudent for the Wizards to, to mm-hmm. keep him around and, and let him um, walk for nothing at the, at the uh, this summer if they're not going to pay him. And he is expecting a heftier payday. You know, He says, I- I'm I'm hoping to earn more this summer. He's <laughs> not being shy about it at all. So um, that's somebody you got to keep an eye on at the trade deadline. And if they get somebody or a couple of somebody's good back for, for Kuzma who's been having a career season, that would not only change their roster a lot, and I'd be interested to see if there's you know, some adjustment time after that, but if they get some good assets from that, uh, that would be a really big thing for them. And, and same, you got to look at the young guys, too. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with Johnny Davis. He was out at the G League showcase, which is you know, more than, more than showing out with the G League. It's where all of the GMs and everybody in the front offices come together and, and start wheeling and dealing really at the unofficial open of Of trade season here in December so they've they've got a couple names they've got a couple assets that um Thomas Shepard has not been shy about saying if we could get something back for these guys we're going to
1: Ava objectively they have some good three-point shooters Kyle Kuzma has been splendid obviously Corey Kisper can knock it down Beal still hasn't gotten that consistent you know shot back from uh, you know a couple years ago but still obviously is capable you see where I'm going with this Porzingis is a good shooter why don't they hit more threes you know what I mean? Like, I know it's a complicated question. Like, I know we have so much time, but it just seems like they shouldn't be 24th or 25th in the league, wherever they are.
3: Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, especially because when they are good in transition, and, and they showed that in the first half against the Clippers uh, the other day, that was something that they had great success against Utah in earlier this season. When they can get out in transition and hit threes, um, they look really strong. They can lean on their offense, they look excellent. Uh, Lately, they've had people have started keying in a little bit more on Porzingis, a little bit more on their shooters, and they need to figure out what's what's going to happen, how they're going to solve that other than just dishing to Bradley Beal when Porzingis gets locked up, um, whether it's in the paint or at the three point line. Um, Defenses are getting a little smarter. Also, shots, you know, shots weren't dropping for them early in the season. They've kind of been a little bit leveling out lately, but they're still not. Clicking, so it's a combination of a couple of different things, and I think it's kind of on West Sunfield Jr. to start figuring out how he can get these guys uh, more open shots. And you know, he thinks the looks are good; they just got to go through the hoop. So, Ava, you know,
1: we think the world of you here on this uh, on this program. We do; it's true. Uh, we wish Thank you Merry you. Christmas. We <laughs> love having you on. We... Makes me sad that you're alone on Christmas. What no. are we doing here? No, it's totally fine. But but here's I need you to settle something for us, okay? Okay. On okay. Friday, November eighteenth. We mm-hmm. broadcast from Capital One Arena, okay? They were, it was the night mm-hmm. they were honoring the Big Three, right? You, you remember that, right? Yes, so, I do. Commercial break. I, our headsets are all off. I think I believe Ryan was with me, right? Ryan, our, our producer Ryan, who you just spoke to a moment ago, was with us. We love producer Ryan. Yes, oh, yeah. super kind, super nice. So here comes Ava Wallace down the hall with Chase Hughes. Oh no! Yeah. So I know Chase. Oh no! What well. did I do? No, I'm, I'm, th- this is what we want settled. I love Chase. Chase and I used to live in the same neighborhood, but he was like, you know what? Enough of this Danny fella. I'm out of here. And then, you know, I moved shortly thereafter because it wasn't worth living in that neighborhood anymore because he's not there. So uh, I did a... Um, I don't even know what you would no. call it. I did kind of like that. The Titanic's leaving. Hello there. Hey, big wave. Oh, like, no. Chase Ava, come on over. Say hi. Be- I have so,
3: no memory of this.
1: So that's what I wanted to ask you. Did, did you see and say, not that fat idiot, or did yeah. you... Did you not know where's Chase telling a story about, like, the mm. farmer's market where he gets these croissants? Like, what was mm. happening, and did you, like, purposely say not Danny or and Ryan wow. especially, or did you just kind of not hear us?
3: Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for having me back. Thank you so much for being the bigger person. Um. Mm-hmm. Second of all, and this is maybe getting a little too personal, but, like, I'm I'm always – so cranky on game days, yep. <laughs> like like yep. ask ask the other Wizards writers. Like I'm just not a friendly, your friendly neighborhood Wizards writer on uh, on game days. So I, I'm going to go ahead and chalk it up to that. But next time I see you, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great reunion. There will be hugs. There will be high fives. I'm looking
1: forward to that. My eyes will be peeled. It, it, I, I didn't even listen. I just wanted like an acknowledgement that I exist. I, that would have been nice. <laughs> listen, can you blame me for being in a bad mood on game days? No, you're right about losses a lot. Ava, you're the best. Merry Christmas <laughs> to you. Thank you. Thanks. Merry Christmas. All right, we'll see you soon. There she goes. We got to the bottom. You put her on hold, the, the damn thing's not working. It's awkward now. I'm like, bye, and then she's like, still there. Oh, whatever. Uh, Commander Sounder, please. Ethan Godot joins us to talk about those commandos. NBC Sports Washington. Ethan, is it on? There we go. I I swear, I'm, I'm not doing this on purpose. It's so nubs. Or where was I? Uh, Ethan, they play, they play San Francisco here this weekend. They shouldn't be favored. What's their best path to victory?
4: I think their best path to victory is similar to what led them on that run they had in the middle of the year where they went 5-1-1 one, and one over their seven games. They've got to run the ball effectively, which is a near impossible task against a loaded San Francisco front, but they're going to have to find a way to do it, control time of possession, and Heineke's got to cut down on the turnovers. It's obviously easier said than done, but if you go back and watch that Eagles game, the second one where they won, it kind of reminds me of what they're going to have to do this week. Similar team that has more talent on the other side, and you just got to beat them with what you do best, and that's running the ball, playing good defense, and keeping the ball away from that explosive 49ers offense. Where even that they're down to their third string quarterback, they're still moving at such an effective rate with all
1: that talent they have there. Ethan, you are a plugged in Peter. You know things, all right? Here is my conspiracy theory. I mean, my hat is made of tinfoil. Here's what I think happened. All right, now I want you to tell me if I'm full of it, if you if you buy it, or anything in between. Here's what I think happened. I think Rivera and his staff got so tired of the cycle of we're going to let people know that we think Chase Young's going to play per conversations and his health and all, everything else that's kind of gone on. I think they finally said, we're going to publicly say that he's playing to put the pressure on him to actually play. And I think Chase Young is ultimately going to play this weekend, but I think it's because they finally left him no choice. What are your thoughts
4: I, I I can see where you're coming from with that i I'm not sure I entirely feel the same way Yesterday when Chase spoke to us, he kind of hinted that like I can let it loose I'm ready to go and While I didn't initially take away from that when he spoke yesterday when I was listening back, it kind of his interview with us yesterday, his scrum just sounded a little different than <laughs> it had in the few weeks past, and maybe I should have done a little more digging a little more poking around to see if something was coming. But I mean, less than 24 hours later, he's off the injury report. He's on a pitch count, which we all knew was going to happen, but mm-hmm. it's still uh, still a good sight to see. I'm pretty sure I saw actually Grant tweeted, before you can run, you have to walk. And th- this, is, this is that. He needs to play. I think regardless of what happens, these three games will be beneficial for his long-term career. And I think fans are just excited that once he does take a snap on Sunday, this whole... 13-month dilemma, when's he going to come back, when's he going to play, will be finally over.
1: What should we expect?
4: That's tough. I mean, he said it himself, it only takes one play for him to truly change the entire game, but I'm not sure we're going to get that. I don't think we're going to see the Chase Young of 2020 where he's had like four sacks over the final month of the year and one defensive player of the month. I think that's just unrealistic. I don't think – He's going to be fully back to that guy until next year at the earliest. And if he's able to just make a few impactful plays when he's out there, I think that's a win. This defensive line as a whole has been playing pretty well over the past two months, and I think he should only help that as long as he doesn't try to go superhero mode on those few plays he's out there. I think they should be in good hands. And I'm not expecting him to do that either. I think he's going to come in, kind of push himself a little bit, but I don't think he's going to try and do more than what he knows he's capable of.
1: How many more starts this year? There are only three games left, obviously. Now, let me let me, let me back that up. How much more does Carson Wentz play this year? If we're taking
4: uh, over under 0.5 starts, I'm going to take the over. I think if the offense struggles in the first half of the San Francisco game, I think coming out of the break, maybe they'd give Taylor one more possession to see what he could do and then consider going to him. It's tough, though, because if Taylor – plays well and then they if they pull off the upset similarly to how they did against Philly Uh then you got to think he's got to be the guy the rest of the year but if they lose and then if things go south against Cleveland then maybe you just want to see what you have in Sam Howell that final game too there's three games left like you said but this can go in so many different directions it's kind of hard to pinpoint which way everything goes but right now it's Taylor's job I just think his leash is a little bit shorter than it has been in weeks past.
1: Ethan, always appreciate you, buddy. Have a great holiday.
4: Appreciate you as well. Happy Thank holidays. You,
1: there he goes. See, that time it worked. I put him right on hold. I never know when the damn thing things going to work. Someone's got to come in here and fix it. Uh, I got a little bit of news. I don't know if we get to do a full breaking news thing, but there's a lot of money that might be changing hands real soon. It's from Forbes. It involves the commanders. I will explain. That's next on The Fan. We're going to Blitz the East at 5 p.m. today. Ben Standing will join us at 6. Had a great piece in The Athletic, as he usually does, about Taylor Heineke, rival general managers, and talent evaluators talking about him, his performance, what's going on with QB for the Commanders, plus we'll preview that whole San Francisco 49ers thing that's coming up this weekend. But I teased this before the break, but I do have one bit of business to attend to, all right? Here's what happened. A very nice young lady reached out to me via Instagram. I'm at Humorous Danny, all right, on the Instagrams, okay? She was very, very kind, and she said her boyfriend loves the show, never misses the show. And I'm like, come on, he can miss a show here and there, like he's allowed to. He can live his life. He can do a lot of different things. But she was like, it would mean the world, the world. And I'm like, that's, again, a little bit of a stretch. Should aim higher, but whatever. So would you give a shout-out to Evan and Warrington? I'm giving a shout-out right now to Evan in Warrenton. Happy birthday, Big Cat. There you go. Boom goes the dynamite. So, here's the news that I teased. This is from Forbes, all right? Bidders are offering more than expected for the NFL's Washington Commanders. A lot more. That's the headline. I say it again. Bidders are offering more than expected for the NFL's Washington Commanders. A lot more battle owner Daniel Snyder has received bids for the Washington Commanders well north of $7 billion, according to people familiar with the process. The deal would also include FedEx Field and the 264 acres around it, as well as the 150 acres at the team's headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia, said the people. Snyder paid $750 million for the Commanders, then known as the Redskins, in 1999. Snyder hired Bank of America to look into selling all or part of the team in early November, and the article goes on from there. And it compares some of the most recent sales, um, the Denver Broncos sale, and, and the, the, um, the Phoenix Suns as well. Here's what's interesting. I'm going to get to my point here in a moment, but bear with me. So I'm reading again from the Forbes article. In August, Forbes valued the Commanders at $5.6 billion, excluding the real estate. Sixth among the league's 32 teams. A couple of weeks prior to the Forbes valuation, a group led by Walmart, Air, Rob Walton, purchased the Denver Broncos for $4.65 the most ever paid for a sports team. The enterprise value revenue multiple for the Broncos, Broncos, I'm sure. Have you know about the Broncos? They are great teams, the Broncos. Multiple for the Broncos deal was nearly nine compared with 5.9 for David Tepper's 2.8 billion purchase of the Carolina Panthers in 2018. So that's interesting to me. Those are some economics terms in there, and, and and you know, they're talking about the enterprise value slash revenue multiple, et cetera. I'm here to tell you something. I'm not reporting this. I'm reading between the lines. When the Washington Post does their story, where they go people familiar with the negotiations or people familiar with the proceedings, which they have over the last uh, couple of weeks. I think there was one um, last week, if memory serves, about where we are in, the, in this process. I maintain that didn't come from Snyder or his people. That's always how it felt to me. One, because we know it's well-documented, his his, uh, feelings about the Washington Post, he doesn't like them. When he wants something out there, he goes to, there's a guy in the Wall Street Journal, and they also have released stuff to the New York Times before. This feels very much like Snyder got this out. Who benefits from this? Quibono. Who benefits from this? I didn't benefit. There's fine. You guys listening? In your car? The person that benefits from this buzz, buzz, buzz when offers are due tomorrow, the homework is due tomorrow for the billionaires, is Snyder. $7 billion, people. More than $7 billion. Well north of $7 billion. And here's some data to prove that it's worthwhile. Look at all these assets, 150 acres, Ashburn, area around FedEx Field, right? We got assets, baby. And here are these enterprise multiple revenues by points of comparison. That says to me that this is the data that Dan Snyder would like out there before everybody turns in their worksheet. But for all the billionaires and their billionaire groups who are going to produce... These offers, in kind of this blind auction style, had better get all their ducks in a row. The $7 billion number wasn't floated by people that are trying to buy it. 7000000000 billion didn't come from Matt Ishpia or Josh Harris or Jeff Bezos. There's no way, right? What incentive do they have for that? Unless maybe you think it's somebody playing some chess and trying to scare some folks off in, in the bidding process. Snyder and company are trying to set the sight line that high. This tells me, and again, this is just me, Randy Duye, just reading this article in real time right before we came back on air, like you know, like you guys might be able to. That feels like it came from Snyder to make him look good. As a reminder, Snyder bought the team for 70, $750 million, and he's about to make $7.5 billion. That's a pretty good businessman, right? When the eye line goes higher than you thought, the record was $4.65 billion, set very recently. We're going to do $3 billion more than that. Watch us. Watch me work. There's a reason for it. Their enterprise multiple, how much money they're going to earn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very interesting to me. Here's why it matters to me. It may not matter to you at all, and God bless you. You can carry on living your life. Here's why it matters to yours truly. I have argued all along that simply trusting Dan Snyder to do the right thing was a fool's errand. I always thought that was ridiculous. What he's done lately here is not get heat. They hire Bank of America to do whatever due diligence. you got to spend some money to do that. They're going bill to you, bill you some hours. But it's pittance, business expense. Did you notice that there's no more heat on him? The Congressional House Oversight Committee report drops. There's no punishment. There's no further uh, uh, deal because we all assume that he's selling. It's Machiavellian. Everybody's leaving him alone right now. This investigation that uh, Tisha Thompson was able to undertake based on their own filings for the charity. This would be a big deal. Potential malpractice with your charitable arm. Dan Snyder owns a company that was paid by this charity. That's weird. That would spur investigations. But no one's bothering with it. Do you know why? Because he's, quote-unquote, selling the team, and no one has to pay any attention to anything. We're all fine. We're getting what we want, right? He's gone. He's buying himself some time. I've argued throughout that this tyrant isn't just going to say, oh, well, guys, you got me. Great stuff there uh, with the investigations, various municipalities. Hey, Maryland, thanks for the fine. Virginia, good stuff there. You guys really, really uh, put put pen to paper there on me. D.C. Attorney General Racine, thanks again for the efforts. Uh, All you victims, you guys are right. I'm wrong. Thanks. I've been Dan. Here are my billions. Uh-uh. Assuming he's just going to roll over? No. That's not what movie villains do. And he is a Bond villain. That's who this is. Name Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. That's what he's doing. So hearing this and seeing this makes me feel like it's from him. And that gives me hope. That actually gives me some hope. He's just trying to gin up some interest. This is a this to me. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I think this is just one of those planted deals, little plant stories, where if I'm Billionaire Billy, I'm going, I'm thinking of buying this football interest in the local D.C. sign. They're called the Commanders, the very original name. <laughs> What's this? What? I'm reading my usual Forbes, and it appears the team is over $7 billion. I was only going to spend $6 billion. I better call my people. Perhaps Matthew McConaughey or Jay-Z would like to join my interest. Maybe I'll get uh, Denzel Washington or somebody else, a high-profile person to join me. (laughs) I think that's what this is. Now, these guys hired incredible professionals who are super, super smart and do all sorts of due diligence and figure out what things are worth. And they also got to read their opponents. It's It's a blind ante trying to get yourself in to buy the team. This, to me, is a timed and planted story to try to get that value higher than anybody else thought it could go. That actually gives me some hope. Now, here's my ultimate skepticism turn. I know we got to get to some uh, QB approval rating, and we will do that, I promise. But I'm rolling now a little bit. Here's my ultimate turn of skepticism. I still think what's on the table is Dan, at the end of all this, saying, I didn't get my offer, I'm out. I'm going to keep the team. And all the things that you guys wanted to bring up, you lost your chance at it. The news cycles kept moving. My team is competing for a postseason spot. Will is good right now. I got videos on Twitter of Ron Rivera making guys cry, giving them Pro Bowl announcements. I'm pulling heartstrings. I had a, a, a damn near sold out stadium this past weekend on Sunday Night Football. I'm doing fine. I put out a statement every other day telling you about how how great our culture is now that we changed things over the last couple of years. Anyone who will listen, even people who won't, who won't, I'll beat you over the head with it. Everything's great now. We're doing it great. We admit there were some problems before, but now I'm more hands-on. I think he said, by the way. You know, the culture is actually damn good. Tell them about it, bro. That's what's happening. That's what I think is happening still. Or that's what I'm worried about that could happen. And I think he's going to do a joust. Old school tournament style, a joust. All you other owners, vote me out. I dare you. I dare you to do it. You don't want to. You say you got the votes. You say you could. You've been chirping at Tanya at every one of these uh, one of these owners meetings, behind the scenes, at the privilege sessions or whatever. They're chirping. I challenge you to do it. Because what should have happened is an end to all these public fights that he's undertaking vis-a-vis his attorneys, right? What should have happened is an announcement that this is happening. But it's not. And maybe that's going to. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll just be a paranoid Peter for no reason. But I still think it's on the table that he doesn't get the offer he wants or pretends that he deserves or whatever. Like, listen, if it's sold for $5.5 billion, for example... That's a record by a billion dollars. That's a record. That is a record. Six billion, 6.4, 6.8. All the numbers bigger than 4.65 are records. Records. Record amounts for a team. And more than six times, seven times, eight times what that little twerp paid in 1999. He's going to win if he really wants to sell it. But what he's gotten is time. To figure out the solution. He's got problems. There are things. There's money that he owes. There are adverse situations. There's stuff flying in his face. But giving him less heat. Giving him time to work it out. To find that silver bullet of an investor. To basically force the owner's hand. Other owner's hand. To force Skiddle to go down a road they don't want to go down. They don't want that precedent. Period. End of story. I know Snyder's the worst of them. But they don't want to be able to say, down the line, well, we voted Dan out, and he was a 10 out of 10. This guy over here is an 8 out of 10. Can we vote him out? What about a 7? What about a six and a half? What about a dude that's a 5 out of 10? They don't want that. And he knows it. So, to tie it all together, your story, if you're just tuning in, is Forbes is saying that people familiar with the negotiations and the offers that are coming in is that Snyder is receiving bids well north of $7 billion. That, to me, came from Snyder or his team. And the article goes on to explain all the assets, all the things you're getting, why it's such a great investment. That feels like Snyder. Two ways to interpret that. One, he's all steam ahead on the sell. And he's going to get a lot of money. He's trying to get the most he can. Reasonable thing to do. I don't care about that. You have a lawn, you have a yard sale. You want to sell an old easy chair. Somebody offers you two. You're trying to get five. I get it, man. The other part is that it's just a dog and pony show. And that's what I'm worried about. Anyway, interesting to me. That Forbes article is out there for you to consume it. Speaking of consuming, ah, it's a terrible transition. Five o'clock, Blitzing the East. Next, we got to do this. Your QB approval rating. Simple question at 800-636-1067. We'll ask you to rate it out of 10. Taylor Heineken is your starting quarterback for now. Do you approve of the job? That's next on The Fan. Notification that there are things called Arctic Blasts coming. I thought that was a flavor of Gatorade that they introduced. That was like that white one. And I just miss Citrus Cooler. Was that any good? I've never tried that one. So it, it looks w- gross, so no, I wouldn't try it. Gross isn't the right word. It, they, How do I say this the right way? Gatorade is so wonderful. It's great. right? And was amazing for so long. The red, which I'm sure had a flavor name, but it was the red. It was, it was the yellow. Lemon lime, kind of the original gangster. Then the orange. Then, my personal favorite was citrus cooler. That's if the lemon lime and the orange got a sleazy motel room where you paid by the hour. You know what I mean? And that Citrus cooler flavor Gatorade was perfect. It was the most refreshing. It was outstanding. I loved it. That's the one we made hundreds of gallons of, all right? They, what we would do is my dad was like, I can't just keep buying these Gatorade bottles. We'll reuse the bottles and we'll get the Gatorade powder. I was like, that's fine, man. As long as I get Gatorade on a hot day, it's good to go before we knew anything about sugar and stuff like that. But then they were like, no, nah, we got to stop doing that. We, we need like Arctic blasts and like, you know, uh uh. Antarctica Chill and, and you know, Blast Cooler Explosion Punch Popsicle Pie. Like, dude, Gatorade's awesome. Let yourself be awesome. That's all. But anyway, there's an Arctic Blast Gatorade flavor coming to town, and we're going to need Ryan on this at at some point. Plus, we'll Blitz the East at 5 p.m. Question right now is simple. We do this each and every week. We even got a sounder for it to let you know that it's serious and for real. It's time for your QB approval rating. It's time for your QB approval rating. I'm a big fan of using all the letters and saying all the letters in the word. But whatever, I'm just a man. Simple question, 800-636-1067. You approve of the job Taylor Heineke's doing? Give him a grade out of 10. It doesn't seem like Ron Rivera would give him a very high number, does it? Like I always use this line from The Simpsons where the house is on fire and Homer approaches and goes, my current wife is in there. See you know what I'm saying? Like, right now, it's Heineke. There's a lot of us, myself included, who believe that you could see Carson Wentz in the second half of this week's game and then maybe the rest of the way, TBD, right? Depending on how San Francisco goes. But I'm asking you guys here on the phones, 800 636 Let's go to Paul in Southern Maryland. Paul, give me your approval, Taylor Heineke.
0: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm going to keep my answer to the first question brief so I can tell you a short story at the end. Um, given on-field performance, I'd say 6.57. Um, but if you want to include the way he inspires the team, I would rank him a little higher, maybe a nine. That being said, um, the last day before a holiday, uh, where I work, local 602, we do this thing called nooner or sooner. It is not uncommon to see some adult beverages being consumed. Um, however, the smaller crew that we're on. We decided to replace that with melted butter and maple syrup today. We found ourselves in Northern Virginia at a Merrifield Silver Diner, if you could believe it. Oh, my God. We noticed a gentleman there who had a look on his face like, No. I really wish my wife was here. uh, Dealing with a child throwing a very large tantrum. And I felt bad. I really did. But when I saw the way this dad owned the situation and took complete control in the blink of an eye. I witnessed him live up to the name commander Danny, my left hand up to you, commander Danny oh my for taking God. control.
1: Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Do you think that's true? Yes. Do you think that's real? I, I don't know. I mean, he described it pretty well, but I mean, it, he also could have just heard the segment earlier. Uh, whew, you look horrified, by the way. At least he was cool about it. Because he, if you missed, if you have no idea what Paul was talking about, if you have no no idea what we're talking about, I, I don't know how to explain it to you quickly. I would say, Odyssey app, rewind function, check the podcast, greatnanny.com. Double play segment. I went to Silver Diner with my two kids. One of them turned into Azazel, Zazel uh, or another demonic force from another parallel dimension of pure chaos and evil energy an attempt to take over the restaurant and ruin everyone's meal. And basically, Paul saw it. Holy crap, if that's real. Anyway, my answer to QB approval rating, that question for Taylor Heineken, uh, it is a four. And the reason it's that high, yes, I said that, the reason it's that high is because of the last point that Paul made before he explained that he saw me in the meltdown of my four-year-old and everything else. The reason it's that high is because of that X factor. The reason it's that high is because they want to play with him. They want to do it, talking about his teammates. They love the Duke. I get it. They love the guy. They're all about it. They're all aboard the Heineke train. It's fun. It's a little bit less fun when you can't score any points and you end up losing. A little bit less fun when your coach doesn't trust you to make a play, two-minute drill time, the end of the first half, which has happened a few times, or to try to convert a fourth down in that kind of in-between gray area, the 34, or kick a field goal. It's that high at four because the ride is fun. They love that he plays like his hair's on fire. His teammates love him. They're all about it. Let's go to uh, Rami at Falls Church. Rami, what's up, bud? Hey, it's Rami. How you doing? Oh, Rami, what's up, pal?
2: It's all good. Hey, I just want to commend that caller, the Commander Danny caller that was at the uh, Silver Dyer, because I think that might have been like the best two minutes of my radio life I've ever heard on the radio. I listen to you guys all the time. It was hilarious. And I'm glad. I just want to commend you for handling your business. I mean, that's a man, so...
1: Commander Danny, hand up to you, homie. Salute. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas to you, Rami. Oh, my God. Like, I'm I, a little bit standing eight count right now in the ring. I'm Like, I'm a little bit staggered here. It, if that's real, oh, my God. I have no other response to that other than, oh, my God. If it's not real, well played. If it's not real, tip of the cap. Who the heck? Man, oh, man. All right. Blitzing the East time. We'll do that at five. Okay, tell you what's going on with all the teams that we hate. We'll line up together and hate them together. We'll do like the player haters ball on the Chappelle Show. Hate, 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 hate. hate. Next person interrupt me is getting shot. We're going to do that in a minute. Ben Stanek joins at 6. 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk Chase Young. Expectations. What do you think went on? What do you think has changed? We'll do a little tinfoil hop type stuff. We'll do that at 525. But next, as I mentioned... We'll spin you around the NFC East. It's Blitzing the East on Grant and Danny.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.